Hello, everyone, and welcome back, 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 back to another episode of Evil Man Spoon Man. Hello, I'm Chris. I'm Mike. And I'm uh, James, and uh, I love that you brought a little bit of Soundgarden into the episode, Chris. Were you were you a Soundgarden guy back in the 90s? Just mostly specifically that song, uh, Jesus Christ Pose. That yeah, that's so a good, good one. Yeah. yeah. Spe- you know that yeah, song? Especially like when the guitar opens up uh, in the, uh, the, the back half of the song. Do you know what I'm talking about? Jesus Christ, boss. Is that it? Is that the yeah. song? Yeah. What about good. Limo Wreck? Remember that one? Nope. It was like a uh, well, <laughs> good one. The Soundgarden fan <laughs> listeners out there will know what I'm talking about. Nice. See, Limo that's the thing. Wreck. Evil, <laughs> Evil Man is a podcast where it stands out because each of the hosts have their own favorite Soundgarden song. I'm a black hole sun guy. <laughs> nice. Oh, that is a classic. That was a hit for quite a long time, but I never checked out the albums past uh, Bad Motorfinger, but I did know the hits, obviously, because they played all the time. Mm. So was yeah. Limo Man on a different one? <laughs> <laughs> I forget what album Limo Man was on, or Limo, Limo Wreck. <laughs> I can't uh, do Chris Cornell's Squelch. Can you guys? Uh, mm. I bet you could, James. Uh, yeah. what from what like Black Hole Sun maybe? Sure, try yeah, try and do it. Um, well, I, he doesn't really. Scream. Black Hole Sun, Black Hole Sun. <laughs> oh yeah, Black Hole. That's me. That's me. That Black Hole Sun. <laughs> yeah, it hurts, right? God, how did he do it? Chris Cornell do that? R.I.P. Chris Cornell. How did you do that? He R. was. R. Chris he was really a handsome, wasn't he? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? <laughs> what you just uh, you're so I'm straight not into you like, can't tell? I'm so straight I all men's faces look like uh blank slates to me. Well, can I offer some thoughts here? Mm. On Chris Cornell. So it was one of those Millie Vanilli situations where they hired a very handsome actor to be on stage, to be in the videos, to to play Chris Cornell, oh. but the guy who the guy who actually sang on the Soundgarden records, he was a great big fat stinky guy. Uh, he had trouble walking, and he you know he was in a dump of a house. And they they determined that like their their the record label was like you sing like an angel, but we can't wow. let you on camera. Well, you know what's really funny, Mike? Um, the band Blues Traveler actually did a similar thing. Now really? you might find that hard to believe because if you remember Blues. Traveler, the lead yeah. singer was a bigger guy. Well, yes. the actual singer was about five times bigger than him. Yeah, so that's why they 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 went they went with the with the. Here's a deep know. cut for our listeners because we know we got some music fans, some film fans that listen. Mm-hmm. Um, Do we? The actual singer for Soundgarden, which Mike is describing, looked pretty similar to Orson Welles's character in the film Touch of Evil. <laughs> I feel yeah. like only Mike might get what I'm saying. <laughs> he wasn't the healthiest looking guy. Yeah. Wait, but, Chris uh, Cornell? 
Yeah. No, the guy behind the scenes doing the oh, actual okay. singing. Chris Cornell was the guy who won the Lucky Grunge Singer Contest. <laughs> <laughs> Grunge Singer Hunk Contest. Do you remember the, I mean, the story of the Millie Vanilli thing where people were so outraged that, like, I remember, like, people, people, like, returned their albums, like, their CDs and tapes because they were like, we, we feel like we've totally been hoodwinked here and we don't, like, those songs were the impression I was listening to Hot Men. Yes. Oh, the songs were still the same, and people number. were like, "No, we need it to be sung by these particular men." Have to sing these songs. Hey, yeah. HMV, take my cassette tape back. <laughs> the video, they were. Um, what's the video, girl? You know it's true. I think. Um, we're so good. They have a video with some acting in it. Girl, you know it's true. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I love, love you. you. And weren't the beats good too? They're like, yeah. It was great. Euro pop. And the story was so dark because one of them was so like ruined by the experience that he committed suicide. And the whole story is like, well, the music was still, who cares who was singing it? It's It was still, everybody always tells the story, but when they get to the guy's suicide, they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. That part too. Yeah. Mike, you're an intellectual. You you don't care. John Paul Sartre's got a weird eye. You don't give a damn. No. Modern people, they yeah. want everyone to be hot. In fact, and, yeah. if we were better at business, we would have faked our faces for the evil men. We would have yeah, hired... Yeah, we should get hunks to like be the... F- yeah, you're right. Figureheads for evil men. <laughs> that, that would, would be, be a good promo video. Let's hire... Let's go to a modeling agency <laughs> and make a video where we hire three of the hottest what? guys to say they are us and do a little promo video that's, with their shirts I off. I genuinely think we should. That's yeah, really that's a funny. good idea. That's we what the got, Patreon money should go towards. Yes. Yeah, like three really hot guys saying how they're the host of evil men. Yeah. I love it. Well, I'm sorry to hear that that guy committed suicide because it was too much. And what He was full of shame, I guess, eh? Yes, he was full of shame, and I guess uh, he couldn't find a job after he'd been involved in this scandal. And uh... You know what's sort of funny about all that, too, is, I mean, I guess the singing in Millie Vanilli is good, but James. it doesn't stand James. out. It's not exactly like Mariah Carey, and you're like, whoa, this person's really... It- it is the most amazing singing ever committed to tape. <laughs> My, holy shit, I've never heard you make such a definitive statement. Yes. Let's hear a clip of it right now. Girl, you know it's true. That's <laughs> yeah, hey, right. Piggy, you know uh, it's true. But, but, you know, like, think of when, you know, I don't know, Jennifer Lopez had songs. It just sounded, I mean, I guess this was before autotune, but it's... I, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, if you really wanted these two male models to sing, I'm sure you could have made it work. Don't you People think? People say Madonna actually yeah. doesn't have the greatest singing voice. And she's been famous for decades and decades. Um, but it's true. I don't think she's genuinely known for her singing. She's known yeah, like, for her spectacle and her dance and everything, you know? Yeah. I mean, some people pull it off without great voices. Like, who are the really great voiced pop people like mariah carey celine celine uh christina aguilera uh, britney Aggie. no yeah britney's more like on the side of like a madonna type right yeah she just kind of like does her it's, vocal fry yeah it's the character it's the spectacle and her dancing yeah i think she was a, a better dancer than uh christina aguilera you i saw madonna 
I saw Madonna dancing in a video just the other day <clears throat> that got passed around online. Oh yeah, which one? <laughs> She's sitting on a couch with like Kanye and Julia Fox, who's now instantly mega famous, and who else? Like all kinds of cool people. Floyd Mayweather, Antonio Floyd Mayweather. Brown. Yeah. Yeah, it's very weird. Gumby. <clears throat> I w- it, it's very Madonna odd. seems to be the only one who's enjoying themselves. Yeah, they're all sort of sitting on a couch. They look kind of uncomfortable. Why are they being filmed? Who's filming them? Why are they all sitting in a row facing the same direction? Most of them seem a bit uncomfortable. Madonna's like really loving it and sliding yeah. around. It's mm-hmm. really oh, yeah. disgusting, honestly. These celebs clearly put together <laughs> for us to what? En- envy? Like what are what is this? Is this is it like that? Remember was it when Ellen DeGeneres hosted the Oscars and then all those celebrities gathered around because a pizza had been delivered and it was just like this picture went around just yeah. like the the most successful uh, actors in Hollywood having a fun time together. You know, it's it's nice to see from our vantage point uh, from the gutter. It's nice to see people doing well and having a nice time. Do you guys, did you see that tweet a few weeks ago? Uh, they don't look like they're having fun. Did you see that tweet? The Abby Shapiro, Ben Shapiro's sister or wife? I'm not sure what the relationship is. She had <laughs> mm-hmm. tweeted a, two pictures. One was of Madonna and one was of Nancy Reagan. And oh, yeah. The gist of the tweet was like, both of these women are 63 years old. Which one would you rather be? And sh- her, she wanted to be like Nancy Reagan. And then uh, people instantly reminded her that Nancy Reagan sort of became known around Hollywood in her youth as being like the queen of blowjobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I'm, it's interesting. I mean, I'm surprised it hasn't. Is that really widely known that loads of people on Twitter were like, well, you know, she was famous for that. To be honest, I had have actually heard that about uh, Nancy Reagan before it blew up on Twitter recently. Really? I heard, yeah, apparently from yeah. like your buddy who hung out with her. <laughs> yeah, or? my old Hollywood producer buddy uh, Samuel Goldwyn. <laughs> <laughs> so Nancy Reagan back in the day was known for blowjobs, and Ronnie he was known for giving the best hand jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Mister Gorbachev, come on my hand. <laughs> Tear those walls down. <laughs> Mr. Gorbachev, <Apparently>. unzip <laughs> your fly. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then Just when the sing. walls did come down in uh Germany or whatever, wasn't because he wasn't he didn't he say something about that? Yeah, Mr. Yeah, Gorbachev, yeah, tear, tear down this wall. But yeah, I well, think like once the walls did fall. Ronald Reagan gave him a hand job and he spurted over where the wall used to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I he wonder. tried to build a glory hole in the last standing <laughs> section of the Berlin Wall because the Reagans, most people don't know about this about them, they were absolutely perverted. <laughs> Imagine a guy was getting a BJ through a glory hole from someone in East Berlin and then the wall starts falling. He's like, what the hell, man? <laughs> I'm, not I'm not finished yet. Come on, man. <laughs> We build that wall. Yeah. Well, that's what Pink Floyd's The Wall is about. It's about that very issue of a guy who was interrupted in the middle of, you know, having some Berlin Wall sex. I like how, like, if you went to see them live, they had this huge video projection of 
a bunch of guys lined up at glory holes looking at the camera going, <laughs> we don't need no education. <laughs> That's a funky-ass song, eh, guys? It's pretty funky. You know what annoyed me the other day? So it was, you know, it was, uh, we're still in January, and mm-hmm. there was a news story on January 3rd, Monday the 3rd, the, you know, the day that most people go back to work, and... The news story was that, like, by by noon on January the 3rd, the average CEO has already made more than what, like, the average worker will make during an entire year of working. Yeah. And they do this every year. They always, like, publish this. And it, I, it just makes you want to just kill yourself and throw your hands in the air and go, what's, what's the damn point, you know? You know what that reminds me of, Mike? What? How powerless we are. <laughs> That's why the media does that to, to put us in our place. I mind us. Sure, that is yeah. what. There's that reason, and there's also the yeah. reason um, uh, sparking ire in the plebes is, uh, you know, is a money maker. Yeah. Well, maybe we've just got to become CEOs. I'm with you, James. I was talking to our friend um, uh, Tom Henry on the phone. Funny comedian Tom Henry. Just before this. And we were talking about ancient Rome, okay? Uh, but we were, t- but we. It, so of course, it talked. Uh, the conversation led to the the era of decadence and hedonism and stuff. And we're talking about also being trapped in COVID nineteen precautionary, weird living, comfy prison, streaming DoorDash delivery world. Now, I'm like, fuck this! I don't care about the world anymore. I want to be like that hedonist. And just live a luxurious life by any means possible after this. And I know that's an irresponsible to humanity kind of like way of thinking, but also like, what the hell has the last two years been? Like our lives were taken away from us. Yeah. It's very strange. It it kind of more it was more mentally digestible when you could frame it in your head as a year. Like, mm-hmm. ah, there was that one year, it kind of was weird. But drifting yeah. in toward two years is kind of messed up. It's like, yeah. uh, check, please. I'm finished. <laughs> Michael, that is good. <laughs> uh, waiter. Yeah, I think like... Waiter, we... there's a fly in my life. <laughs> waiter, what is this fly doing in my life? I believe it's doing the backstroke, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Well, enough talk about feeling sad because we're powerless and we're not CEOs. Let's talk about something mm-hmm. else nice. The fact that this weekend, we, we on top of not being allowed to go anywhere, it's also minus seven zillion degrees outside. So <laughs> if you do go One outside... One day, it was with wind chill, minus 29. Hey, Elon Celsius. Musk, why go to Mars? We're living yes. on Mars. Yes. Celsius, Canadian. Uh, I, I always think that our, you know... Uh, the, the first Europeans who came here and did horrible things, uh, the fact that they didn't just go back to Europe after their first winter here strikes me as odd. Why they, uh, why they <laughs> you would know have what? stayed here. I'm, I'm going to come in on another angle. Yesterday, it was cold as hell. But you know mm. when it gets really cold, like today, it's very sunny. And I bundled up. I put on long johns. I wear, uh, wore a shirt I got from Uniqlo. It's a heat tech shirt under my sweatshirt. <laughs> and I went and did some errands. 
I'm going to say I liked it. It was fun. It was kind of James, exhilarating. You're doing winter errands? I was. I went to Home Hardware and refilled my <laughs> SodaStream bottles. Shout out to SodaStream. We'd love you to be a sponsor and send us some uh, free canisters. Canisters, yeah. And I, I also went to Metro too. and bought some stuff for dinner. And I, I, you know what? I was in the sunlight. I was bundled up. I liked it. Wow. Sunlight. You. you know what? I just walked for an hour and a half outside as well, bundled up. And big, was it kind of fun? Big, uh, fluffy, puffy uh, Patagonia jacket. Yeah. Toque pulled down over my ears. Oh. I got fleece, oh. Columbia fleece pants on. Mm-hmm. Merrill hiking shoes on. Okay. The, specifically <laughs> designed for the winter. I'm giving basically giving a shout out to mountain equipment co-op or something right now but did but, you like yeah it? but you're right james if you get bundled up the old canadian way you can you can run a couple errands can i say something <laughs> the way you guys are, are talking about how you're excited to get bundled up and and do errands mm-hmm. you remind me of edward norton in the beginning of fight club before he meets brad pitt who tells him that life isn't all about ikea and, oh you know, so you're Ty- tyler mm. durden in this I, scenario that's basically, huh, mike, yeah, mike yeah, you are tyler the durden. least tyler durden ass <laughs> motherfucker i've ever met don't flatter yourself yeah I was watching Peep Just Show every uh, last night. I, I got, uh, you know, unwound and watched a couple classic episodes of Peep Show. And Mike is the biggest fan of Peep Show I know. Mm-hmm. And revisiting Peep Show, I can honestly say Mike is Mark. <laughs> Which one's Mark? <laughs> the loser. <laughs> they're, both Wait, losers. they're both losers. I've got to Google Mark. And no, we're David all Mitchell. losers. The part oh, is we're all losers. For sure. Um, yeah, what does oh, he say? You think that's Mike? I don't know. Not by looks, by attitude. <laughs> you, got, you got to see it. It's so funny, but in a funny way. In a funny when Mike's being funny. But Mike has this. But Mike has kind of the like Madchester vibe of the other roommate too. Oh but yeah, with the intellectual heft of the of Mark. Yeah. Now, it's funny you guys say this because I see myself as a character from a different uh, Britcom. I see myself <laughs> as the character Captain Manuel. Peacock from, sorry, Manuel from Faulty Towers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was going to say Captain Peacock from Are You Being Served? Which one is that? <laughs> I just pulled a name out of my head. He was the older oh. guy who was like, Miss Brahms, are you oh. keeping well? You know? So he's not the very the camp sort of uh, <laughs> no, but that fella. One. Yeah. All right. If you want to get me back, you can tell me what British loser character on TV I, I remind you of. You remind mm. me of David Brent from the UK version of The Office. <laughs> oh, the UK version. <laughs> Have either of you seen Afterlife, the the newest Ricky Gervais sitcom? No. no is what's the premise? He's a uh, bereaved husband, so he's a widower who's depressed and wants to die because his wife has died. And there's a device in the show where he has, like, she made a video for him to, like, remind him how to do stuff. Uh, So he watches these videos to to, to sort of connect with her memory. And he has a dog, but he's very, he's like a huge grump and he's like a curmudgeon. He's mean to everybody. Sounds great. Yeah. 
<laughs> and like, is he still doing the like Derek face? He's not doing Derek face, which is one of my main complaints about Afterlife. <laughs> There's so little Derek stuff in it. Uh, almost none. Is the and, theme music uh, sad piano? Uh, I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds funny. Okay, I'm excited. And the character watches a lot of Derek. <laughs> that, he, Ricky Gervais is very close to making a show where the character watches all his other shows <laughs> and goes, nothing beats this TV. <laughs> I'm just looking through like the shows he's made because <clears throat> I really stopped keeping track after extras. So you had The Office, cl- you know, classic. It's a classic. Extras, I thought was good. Then we got, um, uh, I guess, Life's Too Short, which I never saw. That's with Warwick Davis. Yeah, it was. It was pretty funny. <laughs> was it funny? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. In then my we memory, got Derek. Then we got and Derek. He's mentally slow. There's something up with the character Derek. I can't mm-hmm. quite put my finger on it. And he denied that he was playing a character with a a mental difference. Mental he handicap? said that his he just said that. Oh no no, he's kind. He's just kind. That's what he kept saying in interviews. And everyone was like, which, as we yeah, know, right. in this day and age, being kind in itself is a mental deficiency. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to be cynical, bitter, and sarcastic. Yes, very yes, true. Yes. Beep, beep. <laughs> well, before we get to our topic this week, we should mention that we have a Patreon that you can find at patreon.com slash evilmen. And for a small fee each month, you will get at least two bonus episodes per month, sometimes yeah. much more. And uh, they're very fun, fun episodes. Um, Mike, we were talking about doing a Patreon episode, possibly about your mean great uncle. My great uncle Andy is, yeah, yeah. he's probably going to be a bonus episode soon. I'm just collecting the data. <laughs> yeah, we had a, we had a request uh, for that actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, if, uh, if you are able, please check it out. Patreon.com slash evil men. Check it out. And, uh, thank you so much to everybody who subscribes. And if you can't, maybe you could review us. On iTunes. Actually, I think you can review us on Spotify now, too. So, hell, that would be awesome as well. Well, are you guys ready to hear this week's Evil Man? I am. And I'm, you know what? You know it's going to be a good one when it's a Mike episode. I'm excited for to see what you've dug up, Michael. You're, you're so, you know, you're such a good uh, bookworm. I was digging up facts all night in the oh. in the graveyard with my shovel, my fact shovel. And I've got sacks <laughs> full of facts. <laughs> Okay. So this week, I I was deliberating between two guys. I was thinking mm. that I would do Uday Hussein, who was one of Saddam Hussein's sons. He was known for being a psychopath and a murderer and a really bad guy. And the more I read about him, the more I realized that maybe his story wasn't as funny to tell. Uh, maybe we'll get to him eventually, Uday Hussein, because there's definitely an episode in there. Mm-hmm. But I thought... You know what? It's cold. It's a dark time of year. Everyone's depressed. Let's do a nice, fun, and funny story. So this week, the evil man I selected is a guy named William Colepaugh. C-O-L-E-P-A-U-G-H. Most people have never heard of him. I had never heard of him until recently. But let me tell you just a little bit about William Colepaugh. William Colepaugh was an American Nazi sympathizer 
who gained infamy after he defected to and spied for Nazi Germany during World War II. Can you guys believe that he would do All, that? Already, I don't, I don't love him. I'll put it that way. Yeah. One, one, the, just from the log line, I'm already going, I don't know if I like this guy. Where during, did he go to Germany from? From, he was born in Connecticut. So he was an oh, American citizen mm-hmm. who, uh, well, I'll tell you about him right now. He was born in 1918, right, in a place called Nantech, Connecticut, Hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a popular sort of summer resort community with beaches and hotels. I guess you could say it's similar to the Muskokas right here in Ontario. Well, that's kind of fun. You know what's actually crazy as well, Mike? 1918, I believe, is is uh, 76 years before the death of Kurt Cobain. Here's an interesting little So note. there's a lot going on here yeah. with William Colepaugh's story. <laughs> no, yeah, I just thought kind of an interesting... Hmm. Are you pandering now, James? <laughs> And what would a Hitler have thought of that naked baby on the album cover of Nevermind? I guess we'll never know. I hate him. If you could go back in time and kill the baby on the cover of Nevermind, would you do it? I love that part. <laughs> so, William Colepaw, to get back to him, he was a... Uh, he betrayed America, but let's learn about his early life. It's cold, he- Pa. <laughs> it's cold. It's cold, Pa. <laughs> he was William, the son. It's cold, Pa. <laughs> that was his famous catchphrase, and that's how, that's how the FBI nabbed him. Um, so he was the I'm going son to Germany. of Germany. <laughs> he was the son of William Colpaw Senior, and his mother was a woman named Havel Schmidt. She was the daughter of German immigrants, born on a boat from Germany to America. Born on the bayou. (laughs) (laughs) I was born on the bayou. (laughs) His father sold fish and did odd jobs while his mother cleaned houses. She was extremely proud, fiercely proud of her German heritage, and she instilled that love of of the fatherland into her son uh, to a dangerous degree. To a degree Hmm. that basically ruined his life for a bit. It's said that uh, Niantic, this sort of summer resort area, was an odd place to raise a child because there weren't a lot of families around there, except during the summer months when wealthy families would come and vacation there, and the wealthy families didn't really want to hang out with the Kolpa family, who were seen as kind of lower class. He was an odd... He had a kind of isolated childhood living in this place, and there is uh, a little extract from a Life magazine article I wanted you guys to hear. This is from 1945. In the late summer afternoons, the summer boys would taper off the day's activities with a game of croquet. It was usually then that Willie would appear and pick up a mallet and make aimless shots about the wickets, waiting to be invited into the game. He rarely was. After a while, he went away. After sorry, after a while they what? He just he just went away so with stopped. a mallet, or would he drop the mallet? It's not. It doesn't say in the article, but I think the gist is that he was lonely and not invited to play games with the. How rich did boys. Life magazine know that he would kind of like walk around solemnly at a croquet <laughs> set and aw shucks it to see if someone asked him to play? Like, how well, do they know he that? was he was a huge news story at the time. 
when yeah. he was caught. So I guess reporters went and researched like people who may have known him as a so kid. So people who worked on the resort would be like, I remember yeah. him just shrugging around, trying to play croquet. We never let him play croquet. And now we are sorry he became a Nazi. <laughs> Brief side note that will make me sound I probably like a real a-hole, but I actually tried croquet this summer with a couple friends at a park, and it's really fun. I, I love croquet. It. I'll it's play fun. with you. I, 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 I thought it. it was a joke game, like not even yeah. real, but it's fun. I liked it's, it as it's, a kid. It's oh. good that all the other reindeer did eventually uh, respect Rudolph, or otherwise he could have become a Nazi. Because yeah. they didn't let him join in any games either. And he even had that scary German name. So, you know, we <laughs> yeah. Rudolph's multigrain bread. <laughs> so, hmm. William, little William, life didn't get any better. He got damn polio. He contracted oh. polio. And he was out of school for two years. So when he returned, he was far behind and he was taller than the than the other kids who were Every much kid's younger than nightmare. him. Every kid's nightmare. Oh, little Willy Willy got polio, <laughs> but he can't play croquet. No, no. <laughs> on top of all this. You guys like the sweet? I love the sweet. Um, on top of all of this, his, his father died. Now, I'm not sure if his father died because he was embarrassed of his son or if it was some sort of medical problem, but after his father died, <laughs> William and his sister spent a lot of time isolated with their mother, and she always kept the radio on and listened to a German station and really instilled in them this love of Germany and this country that was in the news because at this point now, in the early 1930s, uh, in 1933, I guess, Hitler became Chancellor of Germany. And for a while, America was sort of divided on like, hey, let's give this guy a chance. America had a huge German... Uh, American population, and a lot of people kind of were excited about Hitler, thought he was okay. Yeah, that's pretty uh, weird, huh? Is it the Philip Philip Roth book where um, he imagines that the uh, yeah, uh, the Nazi the sympathizer guy won the the American election in thirty Lindbergh? Yeah, right. Charles Lindbergh, the the uh, pilot hero guy. So, uh, in the early 30s in America, there was an organization called the, the Bund, the German-American Bund, which was a society from coast to coast of German-Americans who – it was like a pro-Hitler organization. They would hold parades and rallies. They even held a rally at Madison Square Garden in uh, 1929, I believe. And like – sorry, 1939, they held a rally at Madison Square Garden for 20,000 people. And, and there was already like – Tinges of anti-Semitism oh, lots in the of Nazi party. Like, it, it wasn't... Yes. The Holocaust, they hadn't started, like, rounding him up or anything, but no, that idea was prevalent to the party, right? Oh, it was, a, it was fundamental to, to the party, yes. It's funny point. how right now, you know, you might look at tweets from 10 years ago and be like, oh, God, that didn't age well, shit, you know, or this person got canceled because they mm. th their tweets just aged horribly. I feel like at that time... Um, it would have been similar if 10 years ago it was like, oh, yeah, I was in the American Nazi party 10 yes. years ago. That did not age well. Yikes. Yeah, you would lose your Netflix series if uh, <laughs> if that happened. Yeah. Um, at this Madison Square uh, Garden rally for the uh, American Bund, the stage featured a huge 
picture of George Washington with swastikas on each side of his body. <laughs> yeah. Trying to make Nazism American. So young William, he loved Hitler. He loved Germany. He had a framed photo of Hitler in his bedroom. I don't know about you guys, but when I was a teen, <laughs> I had pictures of like the Simpsons and Pulp Fiction <laughs> on my bedroom. Yeah, I had a, a poster of Joe Carter and Roberto Alomar. Not Hitler. <laughs> Got it. Got to take that Alomar poster down now, though. Too. Oh, fuck. You're 100% right. Shit. Well, I'll keep the Joe Carter one. Yeah, I so, had a Bart Simpson one, too. I won it in a dance contest in grade seven, and I won a poster of Bart holding his skateboard uh, saying, don't have a cow, man. And then and, uh, I voted for Bart Simpson <laughs> to be a despotic leader of our country. Some people were just as afraid as Bart Sim- of Bart Simpson as uh, people had been afraid of Hitler at that time. <laughs> <laughs> so William, well, he wants uh, to round up all the cows. <laughs> I want to, and just one little note on this: even if it was a good politician, like you know what I mean, like, and even if you went to someone's house and they were a teenager and they had a framed photo of whoever you think is a good politician, Bernie Sanders or whatever, yeah. you'd still think this kid is a nerd. Yeah, in general, yeah. having yeah pictures of politicians on your wallet of 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 any you know political uh, philosophy is is a weird thing. You wouldn't play croquet with him, no. no. So where's Colpaw now? He's going to school. He went to a military prep school uh, where he met other people who liked the German army and the new Germany. Uh, he and his friends would refer to each other in German. Uh, his friends called him Herr Major. He actually got to go to MIT to study naval architecture and marine engineering. And it said that when he was at MIT, he would brag to his fraternity brothers about how great Germany was and how powerful its military was. Cool. He flunked out, though, because of too much. He spent more time drinking than studying. Oh, Michael, this sounds like you in university college, you know. Yeah, exactly, like me. And (laughs) during his unsuccessful stint at MIT, though, he began uh, making friends with German officials stationed in Boston. He became friendly with the secretary at the German consulate. And in 1941, he even attended a birthday party they threw for Adolf Hitler. In... in Bo- in the in the German cost consulate in, in Boston in the German consulate in Boston so it's not Boy. exactly cheers here yeah i think it's because he was ostracized and uh, lonely so much as a child that his heritage was the only thing he could latch on to it's a good so one so it wasn't Chris. even about hitler's ideals maybe maybe it was just about uh a fantasy of the strength of his homeland, Germany. I'd be popular in Germany. Yeah. I bet he thought that. Yeah, like, if only I was in Germany, I'd have girlfriends and all sorts of... I'd be at MIT successfully. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd play so many games. Um, Mike, you might not have this info, but the German uh, consulate Hitler birthday party, that must have been before America's involvement in the war. It was a few months before yeah, Pearl Harbor. Yeah, because it'd be weird. It'd yes. be pretty ballsy yeah. for them to pull, try to pull that off. <laughs> right. After. So, yeah, after Pearl Harbor, the Bund and all the German consulates were banned or people were arrested or and deported because, yeah, you couldn't uh, mm. you couldn't openly support Hitler anymore <laughs> after America yeah. entered the war. <laughs> uh, 
Um, it was around this time, he's hanging out with Germans, going to Hitler's birthday party, bringing Germans home to meet his mother, who must have been thrilled. Uh, the FBI opened a file on him because the, the drums of war were beating and, and it looked like America was going to have to get involved in the war. At this point, Kolpa joins the Merchant Marine and he winds up getting in, in trouble. They tell him he has to join the, the Navy he joins the Navy, and he's discharged dishonorably for being too pro-German. He rejoins the Merchant Marine. Then he goes to Portugal, and while in Lisbon, he jumps ship and makes his way to the German embassy in Lisbon, Portugal. Mm. Sort of like I'd love to go to Portugal. Now, if you go to Portugal, don't go and defect to the Nazis like William Kolpaw did. <laughs> because he immediately... That. Went to the German embassy, told them he wanted to join the German army, and they were like, they must have been like, oh, yes, we've got this brilliant young American that we can work with. And so they sent him to Berlin and then to a German spy school in the Netherlands. And this is where he was in Berlin, too. Didn't he, like, record some songs with David Bowie and Iggy Pop and Klaus (laughs) Nomi and all those guys? He used to hang out with Klaus Nomi. Uh, he he played guitar in the song Heroes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is interesting. They they were like, this guy's a diamond in the rough. We can train this American to be a spy. Because he didn't, Kolpa didn't speak any German at all. So they weren't going to send him huh. anywhere in Europe. They thought they could use him to infiltrate America. They taught him how to develop microfilm, how to use secret inks how to fire guns with both hands, how to drive a motorcycle, and how to handle explosives to derail trains and destroy bridges. I love the idea of um, invisible ink, did you say? That seems like something you'd get in a kit for kids' spy stuff. No, I guess... like lemon juice? I think so. They taught him how to make salad dressing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you just need lemon juice, oil, and a bit of salt, and... uh... So at this point, he was given the code name William Caldwell, a very ingenious name because his real name was William Coldpaw. Um, They gave him forged ID documents and they paired him with a senior seasoned Nazi agent, this guy named Eric Gimple, who was eight years older than him. He was 34. He was an SS agent who had served in Spain. He had attempted to assassinate General Dwight Eisenhower and he had attempted to blow up the Panama Canal for the Nazis Neither of these two operations succeeded. If you try to, if you blow up the Panama Canal, does all the water go straight up into the air and then rain down all over the place? Yeah, that's what the Nazis wanted to happen. (laughs) (laughs) So Kolpa and Gimple, this senior Nazi guy, they're given this mission. It's called Operation Magpie, and basically they were going to be used to to infiltrate America. And basically find out information on the Manhattan Project. Because there were rumors mm. already in Germany that America was building some cool new bomb. The Germans wanted to get information to see whether it was true or how far along the Manhattan Project was. And when you're a spy, without any credentials, you can just walk into any building and find stuff out that you want, right? Excuse me, <laughs> could you give me some information on the bomb? I'm not a spy, I'm just very interested in the bomb. <laughs> so this is a crazy thing so Gimple and Kolpaw get into a U-boat on October 6th and they begin a 54 day trip to America and they're in a U-boat that's like very narrow 
it's only like the width of like a man. Like the one from Life Aquatic? Basically, yes. Do they see the great leopard shark and start crying? They cried the entire journey. The soundtrack (laughs) was really cool. Does Sigur Ross play? Yeah. (laughs) And... But it's like very hot. It's hard to breathe. People are fainting and there's like sausages and German food just like swinging on hooks and stuff. And oh, God. W- like what was- smells? The human bodies or the sausages? I, picturing the sausages and being on a boat for two months, I'm just imagining everybody being constipated. Yeah. Wait, do U-boats, they surface? Yes, they're su- submarines, yeah. Yeah, so they would surface like in the middle of the ocean and they would just like open up the hatch and just be like, oh, gasping for fresh air because it's just stinky men and sausages forever. <laughs> Literally, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of that aspect of it. It sounds like hell. And yeah, yeah people were fainting. It stinks. All Ooh. of the chocolate milk has gone bad. <laughs> <laughs> Who ate my soup? Um, he's like six <laughs> feet tall. Kolpa was like very tall. They kill a guy for pounds. eating someone's soup and then they eat the guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, um, uh, being in a submarine uh, deep down underwater is one of my biggest fears ever. I'm so claustrophobic. They were, there, they were there for 54 days. Can you imagine that? So Boy. awful. And, um, he only knew one German word. Yeah. So Germans would talk to him and try and ask him questions, and he would just smile like an idiot and go, yeah, because he didn't know what they were saying. So he was like a nerd even to the Nazi party. Yeah. I think they quick, and it becomes apparent very quickly that he was he was not built for spy work. Okay. <laughs> so they complete their cross-ocean journey, and they land at Frenchman's Bay in Maine. And Gimple, the Nazi in his memoirs, wrote that Kolpov was green with fear and shaking at the knees as soon as they arrived in America. The two uh, hit the shore. Like he didn't even have to pretend to be a spy yet. No. (laughs) He was just scared to be back with the knowledge that he's a spy in his mind. I can't believe I'm in Maine. (laughs) Like you could go to a, you could go to a diner, not to reference a diner again, but you can go to a diner, not even on a mission, order flapjacks and sausages and still be shaking in your boots because in your mind you know you have spy training, but you're not even on a mission. He's just, like, scared to be in America. Right. Well, also, a few years earlier, this is during the war, um, Right. eight German spies had been captured in okay. America and sentenced to death. So the stakes Ooh. are, like, very mm-hmm. high during, okay. during this time. All right. But So they get out of this fucking... U-boat and they're overdressed. The Germans had given them very expensive, nice overcoats, fedoras, and expensive top coats, and they land on the night of a huge snowstorm. And they're immediately spotted by a housewife who's driving home from a card game. <laughs> so oh it's God. like these guys are kind of suspicious. We're in rural Maine during a snowstorm, and there's all these sort of <laughs> Eastern European-looking guys with fedoras and. Uh, I love the idea of a U-boat surfacing at a dock in Maine (laughs) and a bunch of Humphrey Bogarts. Like the Maltese uncertain. (laughs) Yeah, like I just saw five really weird Sam Spade looking guys (laughs) walking down the street. 
yeah, so this woman saw them, and immediately the next day she called her best friend who was married to the local sheriff. So they were reported as these, like, two weird guys were just seen in the woods while we're at war near the coast. What's going on? I forgot to mention as well that the Germans had given them some equipment. They, they had pistols, radio equipment, 99 small diamonds, and $60,000 in cash, which is the equivalent of about $1.1 million in today's money. And this money was meant to last them for two years while they went about completing Operation Magpie. And they carried it on them? They had just 60000 cash on them, yes. I love the flair of that they gave them 99 diamonds. 99 diamonds. You know what I mean? Of all the numbers of diamonds. It was a little tip of the hat to future Edmonton Oiler Wayne Gretzky. Brantford, Ontario's own Wayne Gretzky. Hey, if you're in the (laughs) Niagara region, check out his winery. Oh my God, Brantford has a connection to the Nazi party. Oh. That's why they have that public park with those shrubs in the shape of swastika. (laughs) (laughs) Beep, beep. (laughs) Beep beep. <laughs> okay, so he's so he's in Maine. He's got ninety nine diamonds. He's got a million dollars. Damn, tons of money. And they're dressed to the nines, <laughs> and so they make their way to Boston, and then they take a train to New York City. So here here they are. They're in New York City, which is their destination where they're going to set up shop. They get an apartment on the east side of Manhattan. Two dudes, tons of nice clothes, all sorts of money in New York City. But the omens immediately. We're not good for Operation Magpie. Gimple found that Kolpaw was too easily distracted by wine and women. Mm. Yeah, this is his first time with power ever in his life. Yes. He's got a fedora. He's got diamonds. (laughs) It sounds like he was living the life of Jeffrey Ross, present day. Basically, Mm -hmm. yes. So while Gimple was trying to keep a low profile... Kolpop basically went on these like drinking and dining and like he would just go to nightclubs and drink himself off his face, pick up women. He was carousing. Uh, he was giving out huge tips that Gimple was like, don't you are look, you're being conspicuous. You can't give everyone so many tips. That's so funny. It really is like he came. Well, it's weird because when he he said he was shaking in his boots when he arrived. But then I guess at yeah. some point it transitioned into like I'm important. I'm on a mission. I've got I'm dressed to the nines. I've got all this money. I'm special. And then he never had that before when he was in America. So yeah. now he's like, and he's probably a virgin still. It's basically the plot of Twenty One Jump Street, starring Channam Tatum and Jonah Hill, <laughs> where they were he's like a loser, and then he he becomes an undercover cop in a high school, and he's popular, yeah. and he's loving it. Yeah, but the high school is America. Oh, shit. God damn really it. Really good. Gimple said that Kolpaw was, quote, one of the thirstiest and most accomplished drinkers I ever met. <laughs> and while he was building a radio, Kolpaw was just, yeah, prowling bars, picking up women, doing it. And so doing I, it. I, was, I was, yeah, doing it with all sorts of women. Sex. And he's doing full sex, German style, because he learned it in Berlin. Um, <laughs> but reading about this, I was like, this is like... One of those like crazy odd couples of like, I was thinking of like Pinky in the Brain, but Nazis, where one of them is like a very serious, <laughs> like seasoned Nazi agent and the other guy is yeah. a total idiot. Yeah. That's, yeah. Hmm. Do a horny it, idiot. Someone do it. Someone do a Pinky in the Brain impression. Oh, 
Try to take <laughs> over the world. Right? Or track oh, and, and donkey. Then there's this guy, Pinky, whatever yeah. he sounds like that. Right? Gee, also- brain. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of Stimpy. Mm. It could be Nazi Ren and Stimpy. That's true also. Mm-hmm. You idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Hitler is not going to... Culpa <laughs> <Anyway>. so, <laughs> blew through $1,500 or $22,000 in today's money in a month. And Gimple was like, you gotta cool it. What are you doing? Who is this guy? Artie Lang? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Party no- animal. His nose started to deteriorate. Um, <laughs> and it became apparent that after like three weeks being back in America, Culpa was sort of getting cold feet about being a Nazi spy in America. His name should have been Cold Feet. William Cold Feet. On December 21st, 1944, Gimple and Coldpaw went to Rockefeller Center. Uh, Gimple was going to get some suits tailored, and Coldpaw was like, I don't feel like going inside. I want to hear the Christmas carols out here on the street. So you go and get your suit. I'm going to hang out here. And then he took off while Gimple was getting his suit made. He went back to the apartment, stole all the diamonds and money and guns and stuff, booked himself into a hotel with a woman he met at a bar and just got drunk for the weekend <laughs> while Gimple, awesome. Gimple was like, oh no, what's going I mean, on? The war's but, almost over at this point. If he could just hang on a bit, he'd probably be fine and had a great few years. The war's not going well for Germany at this point. That's true. Yeah. Um, is there a movie made about these guys? Because it's good. I don't I don't think so, but maybe we can make one. We should. It's funny. So Colpaw left Gimple with just some clothes and $300. And then he called an old school friend who lived in uh, Queens, New York, and was like, I'm in big trouble. I am a Nazi. And his friend thought he was joking. But when he sobered up, he told him again. And his friend was like, oh, no, that is very bad. So on the 26th, Boxing Day, he... Colpaw turned himself in to the FBI. That doesn't seem like no a great spine whatsoever. That, yeah, that doesn't seem like a good move to me. <laughs> he, he immediately freaked out and lost all of his nerve. Just went crazy drinking and having sex, and immediately chickened out. Yeah, uh, like if that was yeah. me, I would take that money. Maybe I don't know. Like in Breaking Bad, remember when he got someone to change his identity and he lived in a shack in Montana or something? I'd do something like that. I just turn myself in where you're probably going to get killed. <laughs> so thanks to Colpaw's tips, they they tracked the FBI tracked down Gimple four days later while he was buying a Spanish newspaper in Times Square. Uh, the old cliche. Yeah. yeah. Uh, immediately, FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover and President Franklin D. Roosevelt were uh, alerted that these uh, Nazi spies had been apprehended. And... A funny thing I read is that the FBI agents were like absolutely disgusted with William Colpaw for for being a traitor and for his treasonous behavior. But they had this like grudging respect for Gimple, who was like a master spy man. And they were like they saw themselves in him like they respected his spycraft. And one of the FBI interrogators told Gimple, quote, you made only one mistake. You should have given Billy a shot between the eyes as soon as you landed. (laughs) So they kind of like... They're like, well, the Nazi guy is kind of cool, to be honest, but our guy fucking sucks. They empathize with the professional. That's they did. Because <laughs> he was just doing like his duty for his country. <laughs> yeah, and William was just duty. 
Yeah. Get that, listeners. The FBI sympathized with the Nazi. Good thing these types of things wouldn't happen anymore today. Law enforcement no longer feels that way. (laughs) (laughs) You know who I could see cast in this movie? Gimple could be played by... Who's the German guy in... um, In... uh, Inglorious Bastards, who Christoph won the Oscar. Christoph Waltz. Okay, Gimple could be Christoph Waltz. And then I'm seeing um, the dumb dopey guy. Sorry, what's his name? I forgot. Kolpaw. Kolpaw, played by Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> Build oh, as Napoleon God. Dynamite. Yeah, isn't that a good... I could, couldn't you see that? <laughs> he, the, the U-boat surfaces and he emerges wearing a Vote Pedro t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. So, who do we got to spy on? Do you guys want to hear about the the sad ending of William Colpaw and Eric Gimple? After their capture, they were handed over to the military. Um, and in 1945, they stood trial before a military commission. They were accused of conspiracy and violating the 82nd Article of War. So they were being charged for, for spying during World War II. They were found guilty and sentenced to death to be hanged. Mm. So they were going to die. But fate intervened when three days before their execution date, FDR died. So wow. their executions were stayed, and the new president, Truman, uh, commuted their sentences to life. So they weren't killed. Gimple was paroled in 1955 and deported to West Germany. Okay. And wow. That's he, not he that got long. off all right. Got off all right. And then he wrote a bunch of memoirs about his life as a Nazi spy. And did the FBI have like a huge going away party for Gimple? <laughs> it seems like they loved the damn guy. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. I mean, They're all waving at him while write. he's waving. I won't, for, I, I won't forget. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget what you did for me. Sorry. He's like waving from the boat. Yeah. They're waving from the dock. Yeah. You know. Bye, Bye. Gimple. Bye. Goodbye. Bye, Gimple spent some time in Alcatraz too. I read, which is pretty cool. That is. Cool. Oh, I love San Francisco. He yeah, was there. It's a great view of the city from that from the jail. From mm. from Alcatraz, Gimble heard all these like beat poetry readings happening at City Lights Books <laughs> on the mainland. He had a big hey. horn that he put in his ear so he could hear all the <laughs> big cultural happenings. Hey, um, what do you call somebody who's ad- addicted to Alcatraz? What? what? An alcatrolic. Okay. <laughs> Do you think Gimple was? I think Gimple was an alcatrolic. I I would love to be a fly on the wall. If you if a time traveler visited Gimple in Alcatraz and said, Hey, I want you to watch this movie, and it was The Rock with Nicolas Cage and Sean <laughs> oh Connery. God. And I would love to know his reaction to that. Imagine you had a VHS of The Rock with Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage, um, and you got a time machine and you went back to just before 1955 to show Gimple the rock. Like, this movie is about where you're in prison right now. But then when you get back, you realize there's no TV or v- VCR for you to play it. And then you have to yeah. just show him the cover of the VHS and this tell him like what happens in the movie. like a billion dollar project to create time travel. <laughs> yeah. Every He's time still- we create a time machine, I always forget to bring something out. <laughs> I bet he'd yeah. still be impressed by the VHS cover. You know? yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's back in this West Germany. This man is the hero? Like, yeah. 
<laughs> I'm so bad at accents. Oh my god. What kind of fucked up toy is this? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Gimpy got sent back to West Germany in 1955. Meanwhile, uh, William Kolpa, he stayed in jail t- till 1960, and he was paroled from Leavenworth Prison. Then he kind of had a normal American life for the rest of his life. He settled just outside of Philadelphia. He got married. He got married. He got nice. married. He started a business, and guess who wasn't invited to the wedding or to be his best man? That's right, Eric Gimple. That's cold. Yeah. Were any other Nazis invited? No. In fact, for the rest of his life, he refused to talk about or acknowledge his time as a Nazi spy until he, he died. He literally became a Nazi spy as a sort of like loner nerd that just wanted to fit in. You know what? It's like guys who become alt right now they're mostly losers looking yeah, for some group to be a He's part an incel. of yeah <laughs> yeah kind of yeah of course um, like he was in germany being like what the hell am i doing again as soon as he gets back to america <laughs> just like parties his ass off with all the money they gave him cabby like, take me idiot. to the copacabana yeah like you know totally making the most of american style decadence and capitalism you know like yeah. <laughs> being rich and partying i mean so what the hell did he like so much about the nazis you know what i mean yeah he just wanted heard... to be rich and party you're right mike yeah. he's like uh gimple uh let's go to the copa cabana tonight i i they, i heard they're they're ta- that's where they're talking about building the a-bomb <laughs> We've been at this peep show for six hours and no one has mentioned splitting the atom once. (laughs) Yeah, but she's doing the splits. (laughs) 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 Apparently he tried to, during his trial, Kolpot, his defense was that he, he went planning on being a triple agent to like go to Germany, get information to give back to America. And immediately they were like, no, you're too stupid for to have thought that through, you dumb <laughs> you idiot. You can't even be a yeah. double agent. Yeah. Forget triple. <laughs> so yeah, That's he funny. he settled what outside. What was his job as a married man? He started a business where he sold like desks and lockers and cabinets, which he learned to make in prison, and he did okay for himself. He bought a Mercedes. What? He, uh, Every single guy of- we do on this show has a better career than <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah, it's he, true. He made Aren't a lot Mercedes of money. Mercedes German. Mercedes yeah. are German, right? Yeah. They're expensive. Yeah. Oh, my and God. Then he volunteered for the Boy Scouts and the local Rotary Club. And then um, as a cherry on top of his, his very ex- interesting life, he got Alzheimer's disease. <laughs> Lucky. But yeah, he ended he- his life in comfort. He made a lot of money after he paid his debt to society, and um, yeah. He is lucky, though. I mean, boy, wouldn't that mess with your head later in life if you think, um, boy, if, if FDR hadn't died, I'd be dead. I mean, yeah. talk about the luck. Yeah, I like Will William Coldpaw. Is it true that you have Alzheimer's disease now? Yes, that is true. I do not remember being a Nazi <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah, it was just a ruse. <laughs> Sorry, Apparently, I have Alzheimer's. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember that scary time. Yeah. All I remember is partying and having the greatest time of my life in New York City in 1944. I had the time of my life <laughs> as a Nazi spy. 
I, this is sort of kind of a, a unpleasant, but you know, I imagine at that time most of the men, and I'm sure many women too, but I imagine a lot of the men were overseas. So yeah. he's probably going to New York when all the oh. good guys are, you know, try, you know, fighting or whatever, yeah. whether they're good or not. I don't know, but you know, you know yeah. what I'm saying. So yeah. there's probably so many single women. Yeah. And they see this guy with 99 diamonds at the bar and they're like, who's this tall drink of water? Yeah. Yeah. There's so many like lonely women like, we're just doing the Michigan rag. And he's like, <laughs> hello, I have a diamond. He was he, basically dating on cheat mode. He boned all of the <laughs> Rockettes. <laughs> I can't uh. think of what's popular for music. What's popular around that time? <laughs> like hmm. the Benny Goodman Orchestra or oh, something. Yeah. I don't know. Cab Calloway. But, um, there's uh, one anecdote I saw, I read about, was that uh, like years later, like in the 60s or something, a crewman who had been on this U-boat that took them from Germany to, to Maine found Kolpaw's phone number in Pennsylvania and rang him up. And Kolpaw was like, hello, who is this? And the guy was like, it's me, remember? I was the I was the captain of the U-boat. And Kolpaw just hung up on him. He wouldn't talk to him. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, that's not nice. He, wow. he, I'm, he, yeah. I'm so surprised that this story ended with him kind of getting married and starting a business and seemingly living a fine life. <laughs> it doesn't I end genuinely, the way. <laughs> I genuinely thought it was going to end with him blowing himself up. Yeah. By accident. In a movie, that would be better because he was like a, a bumbling idiot. If he had the first time he was trying to blow up a bridge, he like blew off his head or something like that or <laughs> killed his partner huh. maybe. But um, I picture him going through the... Nazi spy training in Germany with like uh, a Beatle Bailey esque attitude about him, <laughs> <laughs> like just going with the flow and being like, "All right, yeah." Hmm. He uh, wasn't exactly James Bond. He was more like uh, Johnny English. If you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, huh? But yeah, well, so that's a little look at the life of um, William Colepaw, who made. Headlines in 1944 for uh, defecting and spying for the Nazis. Great story, but he Mike. he didn't spy. He didn't do any spying. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's an elaborate tale about a real idiot. Yeah. The amount of resources, too. It's just funny to think of, like, Germany must have thought, like, this is such a stroke of good luck. Things are going badly for us in the war. We've got this amazing American guy. Let's devote all sorts of resources. Let's train him to be like the top spy, you know, months and months of training and expenses <laughs> paid. Immediately he goes crazy and just has sex. <laughs> he also he also sounds like the type of guy, though, that when they were training him, they should have realized this guy's not going to get the blueprints to the Manhattan Project. <laughs> Like, how did yeah. they think that was going to happen? Yeah, like, are we city? sure we want to send him, yeah. him, you know? <laughs> yeah, he can't, he hasn't learned German, one other German word yet. <laughs> He's been here for three months. Even nine, you know? It's pretty simple. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's nine. nine what, he always says. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nine hot dogs? 
He keeps yeah. bumping his head on the door of the U-boat every time he enters or exits. Are we sure he's the smartest guy we have? <laughs> yeah, he forgets there's a ladder to climb down. He bumps his head, falls to the floor, hurts his ankle every time he enters the U-boat. <laughs> and yeah. he somehow manages to step on a rake every day. We don't even have rakes on this submarine. Yeah. Every time we put a cake in the U-boat, it goes missing. <laughs> and he always says, I don't know where it, what happened. <laughs> There's crumbs on his beard. It is funny huh. that this was like, this was Germany's last ditch attempt to, you know, dispatch spies to America and sabotage like American mm-hmm. infrastructure. And if they were looking for, yeah, nuclear secrets, New York City probably wasn't the greatest place to go. I don't think that they had, you know, Einstein and Oppenheimer weren't sending messages to Broadway or to... Uh, yeah, I was playing on one of those big uh, screens, like those ticker screens on Broadway. <laughs> the secret to the atom bombs. <laughs> All these equations. <laughs> Use the... Ca- yeah, I can't do the German accent right now. The camera in your tie. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. So the only good thing maybe William Kolpaw did was give waiters and bartenders really nice tips. Yeah, I guess you got to give him credit for that. Yeah. One um, time I was working um, as a teenager. Uh, my uncle had a you know construction-y type of job out in uh, rural Ontario. Uh, not going to say where because it was like a weird story. But when we'd be driving home back to his place from the work site in the summer, we'd stop sometimes at this convenience store that was in the middle of nowhere. Like, you'd go and park there, and it was the only store on this long, like, kind of rural route, you know? And we'd get, like, chips and be- and stuff like that, stuff to, like, rewind, uh, unwind with, like, food and stuff. And there were these really old-school German couple... And I was a stupid idiot teenager, not with any concept of what the world is really like at all. And I go, oh, as long as you're not like a Sig High type uh, Germans, then I guess that's okay. Ha, ha, ha. Like we're kind of thinking that I was like joking around with them. And they were like literally switch turned off. They're about to kill me. And they yelled at me for a long time about how I don't know what I'm talking about. And all this good stuff that Hitler was doing for Germany. So I think they were fucking in the middle of rural Ontario. There were these old, old, old ex-Nazis hiding in the woods. And I'm buying barbecue chips being like, hi, uh, <laughs> are you guys Nazis? And they're like, yes, we are. You don't know what you're talking about. Now, I, I'm going to say that's a weird reaction because... You'd expect them to go, no, of course we're not Nazis, instead of saying, I, we are. <laughs> I thought that every time it comes back up in my mind, every time I have the memory of it, I think the exact same thing. But no, there they were lecturing me, and my uncle was like nervous. He's like, uh, you got to watch what you say. And it's like, what do you mean I got to watch what I say? <laughs> I, well, they're, just, they're saying they're Nazis, basically. But yeah, they didn't they say they're like, Nazis, but they clearly, like, you know what I mean? If they have been sort yeah. of like, hey, that's offensive, you know? I mean, uh, not all Germans are like that. Give me a, you know. At first, that's yeah. what I thought I was getting in trouble for. for yeah. For just, like, generalizing. Because, you know, sometimes my mouth is, like, 
I don't think before I say something, so I could for sure, especially as a teenager, I say something stupid without thinking. Like so Bart Simpson. Like, this makes sense that I'm going to get in trouble because, <laughs> you know, that was a th- big thing that I don't fucking know about. Well, but no, they were like defending what happened in Germany and they seemed like losers from Germany who were hiding in the Canadian woods. That's insane. That's like, I guess yeah. some people went to Brazil after the after World War II from Germany and some went to rural Ontario to start a convenience store. <laughs> oh, yeah. But also to show you how ignorant I am, it's like, what the hell are Nazis doing in Canada? Canada is the nicest place, home of the <laughs> nicest people. And now those same woods in Ontario and uh, Quebec especially like house like these giant factions of, uh, you know, whatever, racist gangs well, and stuff. We live in a province in northern Ontario. There is still a tiny town called Swastika, Ontario, that as yeah. of 2022 still hasn't changed its name. Which is Wait, really seems seems uh, very odd. Now yeah. there, you know, there there other swastikas, right? Like the Buddhists are, use them. I mean, still the name of the town. That's gotta be what they're named after. <laughs> yeah. Damn, you're right. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even if it did come from an innocent uh, way somehow, you still might want to change it, I guess. You know, Kitchener-Waterloo used to be called Berlin, and they changed the name, but they kept swastika for some reason. (laughs) Huh. Well, um, great job, Mike. I mean, I found that really interesting and a funny little, like a buddy comedy. You know what? Looking back now, maybe I should have done Uday Hussein. No. Next time. (laughs) Yeah, but I also I really liked learning about William Coldpaw. He's a classic, like, fool. Yeah, and he's how he's how the band Coldplay got their name. Really? <laughs> Coldpaw. Coldpaw. Huh. Yeah. Um, well, shall I pull out the evilometer? Sure. Yes. Ah. Ah. Are you sure? Ah. No, no, I'm pulling it out. Ah. Ah. <laughs> Ah, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, we have to get a smaller is. evilometer because you're going to hurt your back one no. of these days. You know? No. Um, I was using my legs. It's fine. That's good. Um, all right. So we've got the contraption here. Um, you know, every episode we, we rate our evil man on a scale from one to ten. Ten being most evil. Um, God, I guess I'll go first because I feel like I never go first. This is a really tough one. All right. Let me think about this. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you took away the fact that he sympathized <laughs> with the Nazis, I'd probably give him a one because yeah, he didn't. I'm going to isolate one... that audio to make it look like you <laughs> don't think there's anything wrong with betraying you gotta... your country to work for Hitler. <laughs> uh, so you got to give him a bump because he supported the Nazis. So mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. But and and did he even you know we don't know really his ideology other than he loved Germany and stuff so I guess I'll say a th- a three uh, no I guess I'll say a two point eight because <laughs> I because he he didn't seem to do anything horrible other other than he he betrayed uh, the United States to support Germany in World War Two yes during the bloodiest war in modern history yeah so I'll say two point eight um. Okay. Mike, you want to go next? Like you, I mean, put cards on the table. Mm-hmm. He didn't personally hurt anybody, mm-hmm. except maybe Gimple's feelings when he didn't invite him to his wedding. 
But something about him joining joining the Nazis <laughs> doesn't sit right with me. I can't give him anything less than a five. Okay. I can give him a damn six for that. Oh wow! Because it was not. He was twenty six when he defected. It was known at that point that the Nazis were not good. Mm. I understand he probably had a uh, traumatic, lonely childhood and thought that he maybe sought comfort in his ethnicity, but I'm going to give him a damn six. Sorry, William. Hmm. Quite a discrepancy. Uh, Chris, what are you thinking? It's weird because in this case, I feel like instead of an evilometer, we need a foolometer. <laughs> and then I would give him a nine on a foolometer mm-hmm. because. Uh, but uh, what sound does the foolometer make, Chris? When you. What turn sound it does on. it make? When you turn it on. It go, when you turn it on, it goes like the switch goes and then it goes. But I think for the evil scale, yeah, I'm around three, two, because he seems like the kind of guy, like I said, I, from what my psychological analysis, uh, my armchair psycho- psychological analysis of from the information you gave me, he probably, his pride for Germany and Germany building a strong army, say, probably appealed to him because he was not cool. He was a loser in America. And yeah. so he lived vicariously through that, maybe. And maybe in even in his mind, downplayed some of the atrocities of the German army Nazis at that time. So I just, he just seems so dumb <laughs> that he might not have like allowed the truth of the, the dangers of the Nazi party into his mind completely until reality hit him when he hit the shores again. And then yeah. totally ran away from his responsibilities and became like a booze girl hound. I don't know. But that's me I'm almost like basically apologizing for a Nazi now. So I don't want to do that either. <laughs> I know. I just think he's really stupid. I'm looking I had the same internal conflict and then yeah. fear that yeah. I, I didn't punish a, a Nazi enough. But, but you're it's right. a tough one. It's a tough one. But you are right, Mike. There is a thing where it's like if you've decided to be a Nazi, you're already at a certain part of the evilometer. Uh, but, but we've got to be cutthroat, you know? I know. I would still say three. I would mm. still say three because mm-hmm. three is like, <laughs> even if you, three is good enough for being complicit to terror. Sure. And and not in, inflicting it yourself. You exactly. see what I'm saying? On our scale, I'm saying. On exactly. On our scale. Yeah. If we if if we only knew William Coldpaw, he would be the most evil person we know. Exactly. But on the scale of everybody in the history of time, uh, exactly. Yeah, you That's just exactly get a three it. just for being complicit, mm-hmm. but not I'm, doing anything. I'm with in, you with a Nazi party. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm stupid idiot. With you. Well, that's why we have the evilometer, so we can we can talk out these things, you know. <laughs> there we well, go. Well, um, I think that about does it for this episode. Um, yeah. Great yeah, job, excellent. Mike. Yeah, excellent deep dig on this character. Yeah, totally great. like a hilarious classic comic fool character that you'd read almost like in an old humor book or something mm-hmm. he's like a he's like a, a clown of of yore 
Um, this was fun. Hopefully we can do it in person again soon. We've been doing so, it yeah. remotely because of stupid Omicron. But mm-hmm. um, this was great, guys. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much, uh, everybody, for listening again. It was really fun to meet back up, guys, even if it's with computer screens. But thanks again. And I think that was another great episode of... This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.